One day, I'm gonna understand.
Okay, how many people in here have ever been in love? I know none of the guys gonna raise their hand, but how many of y'all ever been in love? <laughs> well, I know none of the guys been in love. We don't get in love, right? Oh, let this black man right here tell what his idea of love is. Cause now all the time we hear young black men talk about love. About your personal definition. Don't tell me what Webster's think. Huh? Do everything for that person. Okay, everything like what? Explain. Let him talk. Come on. If I ask him to talk about a fancy car, he'd be right on point. But he wants to talk about love. You can do it. What do you think? Who said you love somebody? You should know why you love them, right? Where they at? Uh huh. Charity, so stuff like that. Okay. And they just stand out. It's like sometimes it don't even matter like what they wear or what they look like. It's like that way. You know, you know, you know that you want to talk to him because he stands out. It's like he got a glow or something. That's, That's what I'm talking about. about. I thought that was a beautiful point. Anybody else want to deal with that? And sometimes, like when they when they try to act funny in front of their boys and they get around and they say they love, they can't love. Cause love, love, love wouldn't do that. What's the love in that? Love is not funny. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, remember yo. back on the bully when cats used to harmonize like, yo, yo, my men and my women, don't forget about the day, this is not the most to king, yo, it's about a thing, uh, yo, yo. Welcome everyone. You are listening to KDBS 90.3 FM, live from Davis, California. This is Local Bag, and you are about to be listening to the first episode of No Police Radio. We'll be here until 8 p.m. today. And just a quick disclaimer, the following views presented in this hour do not reflect the views of KDBS, KDBS sponsors, or the University of California. We'll be listening to some music have some guest speakers, and a lot of other fun stuff. Hope y'all enjoy, and let's get started with a little music.
revolution will not give your mouth sex appeal. The revolution will not get rid of the nub. The revolution will not make you look five pounds thinner because the revolution will not be televised, brother. There will be no pictures of you and Willie Mae pushing that shopping cart down the block on the dead run or trying to slide that color TV into a stolen ambulance. NBC will not be able to predict the winner at 8.32 on report from 29 districts. The revolution will not be televised. There will be no pictures of pigs shooting down brothers on the instant replay. There will be no pictures of pigs shooting down brothers on the instant replay. There will be no pictures of Whitney Young being run out of Harlem on the rail with a brand new process. There will be no slow motion or still lights of Roy Wilkins strolling through Watts in a red, black, and green liberation jumpsuit that he has been saving for just the proper occasion. Green Acres, Beverly Hillbillies, and Hooterville Junction will no longer be so damn relevant, and women will not care if Dick finally got down with Jane on Search for Tomorrow because black people will be in the street looking for a brighter day. The revolution will not be televised. There will be no highlights on the 11 o'clock news and no pictures of Harry R. Women Liberationist and Jackie Onassis blowing her nose. The theme song will not be written by Jim Webb or Francis Scott Keyes, nor sung by Glenn Campbell, Tom Jones, Johnny Cash, Engelbert Humperdinck, or The Rare Earth. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be right back after a message about a white tornado, white lightning, or white people. You will not have to worry about a dove in your bedroom, the tiger in your tank, or the giant in your toilet bowl. The revolution will not go better with coke. The revolution will not fight germs that may cause bad breath. The revolution will put you in the driver's seat. The revolution will not be televised, will not be televised, will not be televised, will not be televised. The revolution will be no rerun, brothers. The revolution will be live. Right, we just listened to The Revolution Will Not Be Televised by Gil Scott Heron. And welcome to the first episode of No Police Radio, or NPR for short. This is going to be a new little public affairs show on a couple of different topics, but you can hear us every other week. Mondays from 6 to 8 p.m. discussing all things abolition, from tuition to the prison industrial complex, everything that has to go to make way for a free university. We'll feature different conversations with some guest organizers, abolitionist scholars, and people who have taken part in the history's or in the university's radical history, all with an eye towards how we all get free. Super excited for the content we'll be talking about on this show and this has been a long time coming and last but not least before we get started one more quick little song and we'll get into the content merchant ships minutes after they took I from the bottomless pit but my hand was made strong 
By the hand of the Almighty, we forward in this generation triumphantly. Won't you help to sing these songs of freedom? Cause all I ever have redemption songs. Redemption songs Emancipate yourselves from mental slavery None but ourselves can free our minds Have no fear for atomic energy Cause none of them can stop the time How long shall they kill our prophets While we stand aside and look Some say it's just a part of it We've got to fulfill the book Won't you help to sing These songs of freedom Cause all I ever have Redemption songs Redemption songs Redemption songs Emancipate yourselves from mental slavery None but ourselves can free our mind Oh, have no fear for atomic energy Cause none of them can stop at the time How long shall they kill our prophets While we stand aside and look Yes, some say it's just a part of it We've got to fulfill the book Won't you help to sing These songs of freedom Cause all I ever had Redemption songs All I ever had Redemption songs These songs of freedom Songs of freedom Good evening, everybody. You are listening to KDVS Radio, and this is No Police Radio, the first episode, our inaugural episode of No Police Radio. I am DJ Odette, and I'm joined here by DJ M, and we are so excited to be here tonight. Uh, We're going to just introduce ourselves a little bit um, before we get started, just because this is our very first episode, so this is a chance for you to get to know us a little bit. So I'm Odette. I have taught at UC Davis for many, many years. And I want to talk a little bit about what got me interested in police abolition, which is the topic of this 
radio show. So when we talk about police abolition, you're going to hear us kind of expand on this, you know, um, pretty significantly all the way through the show. But just briefly here, just briefly at the start, at the opening, we are here to talk to you about the possibility of a world without police. And that would be a world without police on campus, a world without police in cities, a world without prisons, and a world where everyone can feel free, get what they need, and be who they are. So that's really what abolition is all about. And But I'm going to talk a little more specifically for just a sec about why police in particular are a good place to kind of start thinking about the big changes we need to make in our world in order for everyone to have what they need and be free. Um, so I was teaching at UC Davis back in 2011, which is um, a year that some of you may uh, be familiar with. It's the year that the UC Davis police pepper sprayed a bunch of students seated on the quad. And that was really kind of a radicalizing moment for me, I think, because it made really clear to me the fact, the truth, that police are not here to protect anyone. And that's something else we're going to be talking a lot about on this show. We've got a lot of mythologies around us about, you know, what police do and who they are and their various heroics. But the truth is, they're not really here to protect us. And pepper spraying a bunch of students really shows that. They're here to protect property. They're here to protect the interests of the rich. And when I saw that happen in 2011, that became really clear to me. And then I think as the years went by and the evidence of police violence, particularly against black and brown people, became more and more habitually available to everybody. Uh, that was something else that just made me realize even further that police are here to protect property and they are here to do it through racist violence. That is a really important way in which uh, people are kind of separated into categories of those who can have things, those who can't, those who can live the way they want, those who can't. And so, um, you know, I got involved in some of the protests around the murder of Stephon Clark back in 2018, which was in Sacramento and local to us. Uh, and so that's pretty much where I am. So I've just I've just told you a couple of really bad things about cops, which is kind of the way that this show is going to go. We are not here to uh, we are not here to say maybe there's some good cops and maybe there's some bad cops. We're here to say that the entire institution of policing is bad. It's got to go. It's harming us. It has always harmed us. And we want to uh, try to get you to join us in, you know, in helping us all get past it and imagine a different world. So with that, I'm going to introduce M. Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm M. Uh, it's nice to be here with you today. Um, I'll be one of our, one of the hosts for this show. Um, and yeah, I guess just a bit about me. I am a student here at UC Davis, have been for a few years now. Um, and I guess the reason that I am interested in police abolition, why this is something I care about, um, I feel like I could echo a lot of the things that Odette said, but yeah, any instance of police violence, any person murdered by the police is one too many. Um, and I've seen in my own life and across the world so many people who um, instead of being cared for, instead of having the things they need, um, instead of getting treatment for mental health crises or other things, have been uh, treated with violence and put in jail and, you know, just uh, kind of, yeah, not, not treated well um, because we have policing instead of anything else. So very excited to kind of work toward the end of police and the end of all these things that, that hurt us instead of helping us. Um, all right, so in the next hour, um, 
we're going to hear a lot more about that. But first, I'm going to have Odette sort of inter- I'm going to have Odette sort of introduce uh, the show a little. So yeah, so again, welcome everybody. This is KDVS Radio, and you are listening to No Police Radio. And so, if you missed our little introduction a minute ago, we're just going to say again, this is a radio show that is anti-police, and we are talking about how to get rid of police from the campus from the city, from the world. And when we talk about policing, we talk about all the different ways that our world is carceral, the ways that we punish each other, the ways that we harm each other. And these are things that we want to change. And so when we say no police radio, we're saying no cops in this booth, no cops in this radio station. We want cops off campus. We don't want cops, you know, kind of calling us up and talking to us. We are, you know, we are here to be in a cop-free space. And what that means is that it's a space that's safe for everybody uh, because there are a lot of people who are not safe in the presence of cops. And so that's really important to us. So when we say no police radio, I think that's kind of what we mean. Maybe we mean other stuff too, but. No, I think that pretty much covers it. No cops here, no cops anywhere. Um, now this show is a product of, uh, comes out of the Cops Off Campus group uh, here at UC Davis. So we just want to give you a little bit of information about that group. Cops Off Campus is a group of students, faculty, staff, community members, generally cool people, uh, who are fighting for the total and complete abolition of police from the UC Davis campus, uh, from all campuses, and from across the planet. Um, and we know that campus police are a threat to the safety of marginalized students, uh, especially black students and other students of color, and to folks living in Davis. Uh, and I want to especially say to our unhoused neighbors here in Davis. And so we want them gone. It's that simple. Um, and that's that's really where we're starting from. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. And I think uh, what we wanted to do also was say a word about um, how does like this, this organization of Cops Off Campus that uh, kind of brought us here to this radio station to do this show, how does it connect to some of the big things that we've been saying about abolition? Because there's, you know, we're talking about like an organization that has a few, you know, students and faculty and staff and community members. And then we're talking about these huge concepts like abolishing the police from everywhere and making everything available to everyone. And it seems like, you know, those two things might uh, those two things might feel hard to sort of bridge, you know, um, one's like real specific and one is just, you know, a, a totally different philosophy of everything in the world. Um, and so I think one way that I would talk about that is to say, Cops Off Campus, and if those of you who have been on campus uh, for the last year remember, you probably have seen some of the stuff that Cops Off Campus gets up to. Um, so Cops Off Campus last year liberated the food from a dining hall for a couple of hours so that students and community members could all eat lunch for free. And that's a way of making sure that people have what they need that the university can totally afford, but you know the university polices that so that not everyone can partake. And we think that's wrong. Uh, so Cops Off Campus does stuff like that. We do things that don't really cooperate with university policies and rules as they stand. We don't join committees. We don't serve on task forces. We don't join initiatives. We don't run around and get grants to do this stuff. We are just working against the system that we are part of. Um, and we think that that is the way to make change happen. We're just not convinced that uh, 
joining a committee, making a few tweaks to the cops here and there, making them so, you know, so-called better is going to solve any of our problems. And so when we're talking about abolition, you know, that really means we're talking about a completely kind of ground up different way of understanding how we address safety and health and uh, needs, all the things that, you know, that are really important to us. Um, so the point here is that Cops Off Campus is not interested in just like changing things a little bit and having the underlying status quo be basically the same. We want to change everything. The people in power need to not be in power anymore. And that's part of what we're doing here. So we don't work with them. We don't talk with them. They're basically all cops in a lot of ways, you know, university administrators and the people who kind of set the rules for us. Um, we often consider them to be police and carceral as well. So that's kind of how Cops Off Campus as an organization operates um, by trying to live this principle of abolition. All right. So in the next hour, uh, you're going to hear us talk about abolition a little more generally. Um, we're going to answer some FAQs that we often hear about abolition. We'll have some special guests, some news about bad cops and good projects, and a preview of our next episode. All right, so this first segment is basically an FAQ. Um, what we're hoping is that in some future episodes, we will get questions from listeners. We're going to put out some social media instructions for how you can send us your questions and get in touch with us if you want to ask us something and, you know, have us talk a little bit more about issues related to police abolition. If there's things that you're curious about, things that you don't understand, we want to hear about that. But since this is our first episode and we haven't really had a chance to do that yet, we're just going to do kind of our own FAQ. And Em and I are going to kind of ask each other some of the questions that we get asked the most often when people are kind of trying to figure out what we're talking about and just the things that immediately people always wonder about when you say, what if we got rid of police? So our first one is, a uh, very basic question. Well, no, actually a very difficult question. What is abolition? What do we mean when we say that word? All right. Well, I think recently a lot of conversations about abolition have focused on the police. Um, and you've heard us doing that here. And I do want to say we absolutely need to get rid of every single cop on the planet uh, immediately. But I also want to broaden out the concept of abolition for a minute here and remember that Abolition has for a long time referred to um, abolishing the prison industrial complex. So that is getting rid not just of police, but of prisons, of jails, immigrant detention, basically all the ways that we lock people in cages. Um, and people have used this framework to think about other things that also need to go. Um, so things like borders or the U.S. military or on like a more personal kind of uh, individual level in a lot of cases, um, things like involuntary institutionalization for mental health crises or drug use. Um, so I think abolition provides a really useful way of thinking about policing and carceral systems in like this broader sense and how those systems enforce things like white supremacy and poverty and oppression. Um, and uh, yeah, just abolition points to all the things that need to be destroyed uh, in order for people to be free. Right on, M. Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, uh, if, if you're at all familiar with, like, the conversations that are happening about abolition right now, a lot of people do talk about 
abolition as an approach that involves building things up, you know, not just breaking things down. But I actually kind of think like M and I are, uh, you know, we've done a lot of stuff together <laughs> um, in the name of police abolition. And I think we're actually pretty comfortable with the destroy part. I mean, I don't know. What do you, M, would you would you agree with that? Big fan of destroying things here. <laughs> yeah. So I want to talk about that a little bit, too, where I think, you know, I think everything that uh, M said, you know, righteous and and totally true. And I think that Something that's kind of underlying that for me in thinking about abolition is I really want, I think it's going to be really important for everybody to understand differently what is like necessary, what is inevitable, right? Because like right now, you know, part of the reason that we have like more and more and more and more cops and more and more and more prisons, because, you know, you know, we, we actually ended up refunding a lot of cops and we're always building more prisons in this country. And the reason for that is that I think it's really natural for everybody to think that when somebody does a crime, they got to go to jail. And often the kind of person, you know, if that person is a black or brown person, it's, you know, there's other things that people are thinking about, about how they need to go to jail and what needs to happen to them as, you know, as a result of who they are. Um, and I think we just need to kind of walk all that backwards, you know, um, and start again and kind of understand that prison and carcerality and punishment, punitive solutions are not like the necessary and inevitable solution to harm. There's other ways that we could address the harm that happens in a society. I and mean, nobody's saying here that like no one's ever going to harm anybody again. But, you know, some of the things that cause harm are poverty, are unaddressed mental illness. And these are things that we could do something about that would really um reduce the amount of harm that there is in a society. And when harm does happen, I really would like to see us get to a place where we think about other ways to address it than punishing people uh, in, you know, in some really dehumanize, I mean, inhumane at the least, dehumanizing at the most ways, you know, that take away their dignity, that take away their humanity, that take away their chances at any kind of future, right? Because the way prison systems exist now once you're out of them, you know, you're still kind of carrying them around with you in a lot of ways. So those are some things that I would say about, uh, you know, what I'm thinking about when I think about abolition and why these things need to go. So now are we, um, am I asking you a question, Em? Is that okay? All right, yeah. So this is a question that I think, you know, lots of people have. Um, why do you want to get rid of all the police when like I know some really nice police officers, you know, some of them are really nice and they like rescue cats from sewers and they do all kinds of nice things. and why can't we just get rid of the bad ones? Why can't we think about it that way? Yeah, this is such a classic question, the but my uncle is a cop question. Um, and, you know, when we say ACAB, uh, a phrase that I'm not convinced I'm allowed to say entirely in its length on the radio, um, that isn't like a, it isn't like a moral judgment about, like, the way that individual cops feel come a man. Um, I'm sure they're all awful, but that's not the point, right? When we say ACAB, it's about the role that cops play. It's about um, what they exist to do, like why they're here. Um, so if you look even at what the so-called good cops spend their days doing, they routinely evict people from their homes, arrest them for drug possession, displaced unhoused people, repress protests and strikes, and generally just protect private property and white supremacy. So I think... Generally speaking, people tend to focus, for very obvious and correct reasons, on the really horrific incidents of police just murdering black people in broad daylight on camera. Um, 
But I think it's also, in addition to that, important to remember that even the so-called good cops, every single thing that they do every single day is violent. Um, and that's why there actually is no such thing as a good cop, so they all have to go. Thanks, Em. Yeah, and uh, so we are actually, we, we, got, we got one more question to talk about, but we're actually going to take a brief music break before that so we can chill out a little bit. I mean, we all love being together, Em and I and our fantastic, amazing producer whose radio name I don't know, so I don't want to um, out them, but we have an awesome producer here. Uh, so we all love being together, but this is heavy stuff, you know. Uh, we're, we're laying a lot of heavy stuff on you, and it's heavy for us to talk about. So we're going to listen to some music for a couple of minutes and then come right back. This is KDVS Radio, and you're listening to No Police Radio on KDVS. Backlash, just who do you think I am? Send my son to Vietnam You give me second class houses And second class schools Do you think that all colored folks Are just second class fools Mr. Backlash I'm gonna leave you with a backlash blue You've heard about the opiate crisis. Opiates are powerful, pain-reducing medications 
prescribed by doctors, but they can also be very dangerous. In fact, most overdose deaths involve opiates. So what can you do? A lot. Trouble with opiates often start at home with unused medications in your cabinets or drawers. Opiates could be in pill bottles, syrups, or even prescription patches. Whatever they look like, dispose of unused opiate medications safely before they hurt your family. Find out how to remove the risk at fda.gov slash drug disposal. The ASUCD Pantry, YOLO Food Bank, and Aggie Compass are proud to present the Eat Well YOLO Food Distribution. Every Tuesday from 2 to 4 p.m., you'll be able to grab free groceries such as dairy, produce, canned foods, and more. Everyone is welcome, including non-students as well. Come by to the south end of the MU, next to the quad, with an approved daily symptom survey and your own grocery bags. The assortment of groceries can vary week to week, so be sure to stop by to see what's available. We can't wait to see you on Tuesdays from 2 to 4 p.m. in front of the fountain by the MU. Listen to me. Don't try to buy no home down in Washington, D.C. Cause it's the place for the town. It's the place for the town. I got a place for blue. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to No Police Radio. Uh, you're going to listen to us talk a little bit about abolition and getting rid of the cops. And we are in the middle of doing a frequently asked questions segment. So I'm going to ask my fellow host, Odette, um, a really common question that we get. 
What do we do about violent crime if there's no police? Thank you, Em, and welcome back, everybody, to No Police Radio on KDVS. And that is a really big question, and I think it's one that, you know, in part, we're all here together, and we're kind of reaching out to you as listeners to say that we all need to keep thinking about this one, and we're going to be, it's not a solvable thing, you know, in in a minute or a day. This is something we're going to be thinking about over a long period. But in the meantime, two things that I want to say that are really important about this. One is that, you know, it's important to remember police don't actually prevent violent crime, right? When people say, like, what about violent crime? You know, they're not saying that police are going to stop violent crime from happening because often they don't. Police are the ones who kind of come in afterwards. And so part of, again, you know, the abolitionist project is to create a world where people feel like they have what they need and people feel like they belong and people are in community so that uh, that kind of violent crime doesn't happen as often. Not to say that it never happens, but that when it does, you know, there are different kinds of responses to it than carceral ones. Um, And second, I think the other thing that I would say about that is it's also important to remember that just because the police make you feel safe doesn't mean that they make everybody feel safe, you know. And so if you're a person who's saying, oh, but I feel less safe when there are cops around, I think it's really important to remember you have friends and neighbors and community members and people in your class who actually not only feel less safe but are less safe when cops are around. And so, you know, I think the thing is, if we want to talk about safety, if police can't make everybody safe, then they're not making anybody safe. So let's see. And our last question is, um, yeah, so this is a, a question that is all is often asked kind of specific to college campuses, which is, um, what do we do about sexual assault and what do we do about active shooters? Yeah, these are questions we get uh, all the time. Um, so the first thing about about active shooters, I think I've talked to a lot of people about abolition on this campus and people used to ask me about active shooters all the time, like every single event. Um, but, you know, no one has really brought that up as much since the school shooting that happened recently in Texas. Um, and I think, you know, that example really shows the ways that police uh, responses to these things just absolutely break down. Um, gun violence on campus uh, was once pretty much non-existent, it was extremely rare. Um, and it only started increasing after campuses started having police, which is actually a relatively new phenomenon. Um, so it's pretty sure it's pretty clear that they just like can't and and don't do anything about it. Um, and in fact, if you take the Davis active shooter like training course that they offer for employees, they they literally tell you they can't do anything to stop it. Um, as for sexual violence, I think that's that's a really serious question. And again, you know, one that I think we all need to kind of continue thinking about and thinking with. Um, but for me, as a starting place, I always kind of start with the fact that over 70 percent of survivors never report their assaults to the police in the first place. Um, and only about 3% of the things that are reported even like lead to any kind of like arrest or anything else. Um, so really, if you care about sexual assault, if you care about sexual violence, you'd, you would want something better than the police because the police are clearly not helping people at all. Um, and I think both of these questions about active shooters and about uh, sexual assault really show that even in the best case scenario, the police don't prevent anything. Right. They can only show up after harm has already been done. Um, So, you know, we absolutely agree that people and groups and communities should come together and think about how to organize to prevent and fight back against sexual violence. Um, But we don't have a lot of evidence that the police are the way to do that. 
Um, and in fact, we have a lot of evidence to suggest that they're not. Thanks, Sam. Yeah. And in the horror of the Uvalde shooting, I think that was, you know, an example of how the police make the best case for their own abolition, right? 376 officers and still all of those terrible, terrible deaths. So, uh, yeah, I, I think you're completely right. Um, all right. Well, I think, are we moving on to, yeah, we're moving on to talk to some friends. So <laughs> we are going to... Um, call in in just a second to talk to a couple of other uh, other hosts, hosts who will be here in the booth in other weeks uh, who are not us. So we're going to try to sort of switch things up as much as possible um, with the show so that you're not just hearing like Em and me constantly talking. <laughs> We're just getting our first guest on the air right now. We're going to be hearing from Virgil. Mm -hmm. All right, so our first guest is going to be uh, Virgil. Virgil, can you hear us, and can we hear you? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Hi there, Hello. sorry about that. We had a minor technical difficulty, but I think we're back. Hi, Virgil. Can you hear me okay? Yes, we can. Nice to have Excellent. you on the show. Um, so real quick, would you mind uh, first just kind of introducing yourself for a second and then maybe telling us uh, a little bit about your approach to abolition or why this is something that uh, you think is important? Yeah, sure. My name is Virgil. I work at the UC Davis. I've worked here for a, a pretty long time. I can never quite figure out how long, but I think it's been about 20 years, long, long enough that I can't keep track. And I came to abolition in a way that I think is not the most common, but something that happens. I, I sort of came up as an anti-capitalist, and often those things are sort of opposed in, in certain ways or, or, or sort of diverge where you know, anti-capitalists have sort of a critique of capitalism as a system and so are less worried about things like state violence and the police right, and the government because they think the problem is sort of political economy and not, and not just politics or the government. And so those paths can diverge sometimes. Uh, but for me, they eventually came together when, when it became really clear to me that if people were fighting, you know, even for something completely different that didn't explicitly have to do with abolition, they were still going to have to go through the police. Right? It's important to remember that campus the United States is almost unique in the world for having university uh, police on university campuses, and that really took off not because of campus crime or active shooters or caring about people, but in response to the massive student protests. Uh, of the 60s uh, and, and around anti-war stuff, but also around, you know, civil rights, around demands for having ethnic studies departments, around all kinds of things. And, uh, and that was when campus police appeared. So the campus police are, among other things, and police in general are, among other things, 
something you're going to have to get rid of if you want to transform the world. And I think we all want to transform the world and make it fair and equitable and humane and decent and communal and something we can share. So the cops got to go. Thanks for that introduction, Virgil. Um, you know, you were just talking a little bit about sort of the history of, of campus police, and you said you've been at Davis for uh, a while now, to put it lightly. Um, I'm wondering if you can tell us maybe if there's anything that you remember about the history of um, anti-police organizing or anything like that um, at the Davis campus specifically that you think is worth mentioning. Yeah, thank you for asking. There's, there's a lot, uh, but one thing I want to pick out, I know that Odette already mentioned the sort of pepper moment of the famous pepper spray event that some people will have forgotten because generations of students come and go and some people will remember very well or have heard about. Uh, but even before then, uh, after the 2008 economic crash, the University of California took all kinds of austerity measure measures. They cut people's pay. They made people work harder. They gave people more job responsibilities to work on campus. And they proposed a massive increase in tuition for, for students, you know, and their families uh, um, that was going to be funded by debt and banks were going to take care of it and students were going to get more and more indebted. And there was a lot of protests on campus in 2009, 2010, really active, really energetic. Davis, Davis students, not just students, but students especially, were super impressive uh, and committed and principled and serious. And the cops, uh, it was really bonkers. You know, I remember on one occasion there was an occupation of Mrak Hall just to, do, you know, to oppose tuition increases. I think four or five different police forces got called in. Uh, there was, you know, um, cops. There was riot cops. They were armed. There was a canine unit. There were helicopters. It truly was out of control. Fifty-one people got arrested. Uh, a a first-year student named Bree Holmes got brutalized by the police, thrown across a police car, and then charged with resisting arrest. And it was really out of hand. And that, for me, was an important moment on the Davis campus when it, it became really apparent, apparent that the, the job of the police is to make sure that the powerful stay powerful, that the disempowered stay disempowered, afraid, damaged, wounded, frightened, incarcerated, and that that's not any way to have anything like freedom. So that was an important moment for me that I would like to sort of uh, summon back to us this late in history in 2022. Wow, that uh, sounds like a lot. That sounds uh, pretty serious. Um, thank you so much for, for sharing that with us, Virgil, and for, for being on the show today. Um, I know that you will be hosting or helping host uh, future episodes of this uh, No Police Radio, so we look forward to having you there. Do you have any final words for our listeners today? I just appreciate that people are listening, and I really appreciate uh, everyone who's working on the show, you and Odette and, the, and our producer and other, other hosts we're going to have. Um, I'm excited when I get my own chance to check out the studio. I used to have a show at KDVS back in 2008 or so, uh, and I'm looking forward to getting back in the studio and seeing how it goes. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Virgil. Nice to talk to you. Take care. Thanks to Virgil. And we are going to, are we listening to a little music? And I think we can.
Okay, we are going to just have a little bit of a music break, and we've got a second guest calling in, so stay tuned for that. This is No Police Radio on KDVS. Hi, everyone. We are back. This is uh, DJ Odette on No Police Radio, KDVS. We are really happy that you are listening tonight. We've just been talking to some awesome, we had one awesome guest before the music break, and we have another one now. We've got Abby on the phone. Uh, and Abby, I'm going to be asking you a couple of questions. Do you want to just say a bit about yourself to our audience first? We can't hear Abby yet, so just give us one sec while we get the story. This is this is the first time we're doing this, so we're we're just kind of smoothing out the kinks right now. Abby, are you there? Hey, Abby, are you there? 
I am indeed. All right. Now we got Abby. Awesome. Thank I you. Know, All right. See, we knew we'd sort it out. That's the thing. Like, it's, you know, this is, we're used to being chill and rolling with things. <laughs> That's just kind of how this, how this work sort of goes. All right, Abby. So, yeah. So, hey, welcome to the show and tell us a little about yourself. Well, thank you guys, first of all, so much for having me. And thanks to, uh, as, as Virgil said, thanks to all the listeners out there. And I'm super excited to, to be with you guys uh, in future episodes. Um, so I have been learning and teaching and working at Davis for the past decade. Uh, and that, that comes off of uh, what feels like a lifetime uh, in one university or another before that. Um, and uh, as part of that, um, I've, I've had lots of encounters with lots of students uh, over the years and um, come, to, come to sort of realize that, you know, um, by and large, students are great. Uh, but occasionally, um, you know, people away from home and uh, in a variety of contexts have, have different kinds of needs. And I, you know, I had a student uh, once upon a time, who was, you know, in the midst of a, a pretty severe um, episode, uh, mental mental episode, and just needed help. Uh, and you know, this this became clear to me, and uh, all of my efforts to, to sort of figure out how the institution that I worked for, that I worked with, uh, that I considered myself part of, could help this student, um, kind of all ended up at well, the best thing we can do is you know, get the police involved and um, see if we can, you know, uh, get this student what they need. And it, it for me, just did not square uh, with any kind of sense of um, what, what this particular person needed. Uh, and I came in a, in a sort of very disappointed way to realize how limited our sort of understanding um, of, of the people that we work with uh, is, but then also um, of the resources that we have to, to really offer them. Um, you know, and as you, as you sit with that and look around, you realize that this is a lot of the way that society is arranged, right? That the people often who need the most uh, and, you know, who, whose, whose needs sort of lead them in, in different ways, uh, that, that we kind of have one answer for that. And it's, you know, call the cops, get the cops involved. Yeah. Um, and, and so often, you know, we can also see that that, really doesn't help um, these situations. It, it doesn't avert it doesn't avert crime. It doesn't avert um, so much. And and so for me, that's that's kind of what brought me uh, to a kind of uh, abolitionist framework, and uh, and also to the the sort of specific step of of intervening in in the campus in the university uh, as a place to to start that work to start that you know that sort of social transformation that would be a world without cops yeah yeah and i think i mean it's i think it's really great for the audience to hear how much it came from for you you know from like a place of really specific care and concern and kind of watching you know someone really struggle and thinking about like what happens when someone struggles and how insufficient you know our responses to that are um, so the next thing I wanted to ask you is, uh, so, I mean, and I think you were kind of referring to this in your last answer, but I wondered if you could talk a little bit about how the work that you're doing towards campus abolition um, figures for you as a, as a kind of important first step towards uh, this kind of vision in a, in a bigger sense, abolition, you know, police and prison abolition, um, 
and just a you know a larger kind of um, anti-capitalist, anti-racial capitalist uh, way of being in the world and of making a new world. Um, how you know how do, how does the cops off campus stuff feed into that for you? Sure, um, that's a it's a great question and a you know a sort of big question. Um, but I think you know I think about starting small, right? And on the one hand, uh, the university is an obvious place because because that's the world I, I live in, right? Um, and the reason, you know, um, I, the reason I, I, I love being a part of the, the world of the university is because there's, you know, uh, it's like all institutions and places got, got major problems and, and needs, uh, needs change, right? But there's also a lot when we look that's, that's kind of amazing um, and that's done you know, in, in a version of the way that, that things could exist in an ideal world. So what do I mean by that? Well, you know, uh, as a student, when you're hungry, uh, you know, you, you eat collectively uh, in a dining common. And, you know, uh, when, when I was a student, you know, when I was sick, I, I went to student health and there was, you know, kind of collective health care. And it was, you know, the first time as a as a, as a person that I ever had access to, to sort of consistent health care. And, you know, when I went to sleep at night, uh, you know, I went to sleep in collective housing that was, you know, maintained centrally. Right. Um, and so it's, it's always occurred to me that, uh, you know, the university kind of operates in, in a lot of ways as, as an ideal version of a, a sort of socialized world. Right. Um, but the, the sort of clear obvious problem with the university is that it's, it's not a space. It's not a community that's open to everyone. And in fact, it's it's very clearly sort of guarded with gates, right? And uh, the people who who watch those gates are cops. Um, and so, you know, getting cops off campus, imagining a world, a university where we didn't have police, is is sort of imagining a way of starting to break down the barriers between the the kinds of care that we afford to the people inside the gate at the university and the kinds of care that we should be thinking about for all of us, right? Whether we're part of that or not, whether, you know, we're just part of the human race kind of thing. And so on, you know, on the one hand, I think it's, it's about breaking down that barrier. Um, and certainly I've, I've also come to realize the way that police uh, often make uh, too many of our students feel unwelcome simply because, you know, they don't look like, you know, the traditional university student. I mean, there's there's countless examples of, of campus police making those kinds of tragic mistakes. Um, but I think it's also, you know, uh, if we think about the university as, as kind of a grand social experiment, uh, that, you know, if, if we can make it work without cops here, then it, it demonstrates, it proves that we can we can make the rest of it work without without cops as well. Um, and so I think I think that's why for me the university is kind of a logical first step. Thanks, Chris. Thank I think that our listeners are really going to appreciate those uh, those super thoughtful answers. Thanks, we really appreciate that, and we'd like to thank Virgil and Chris for calling in. It was really great to have guests. Um, thanks again. And so we're going to move on. Em is going to tell us a little bit about what is coming up on future episodes. All right. Yeah. Thank you so much again to our two guests for joining us. Um, and in future episodes, we'll be um, having guests that aren't uh, our hosts. We'll be having inviting authors, organizers, scholars, community people, uh, everyone cool to come talk with us about their work on abolition. Um, and if there's anyone you'd like to see on the show, feel free to hit us up on social media. We're at UCD underscore COC on Instagram. 
or you can email us at ucdavis.coc at gmail.com with your suggestions. We'd love to hear it. All right, we're going to have a quick break here, and then we will finish up with our, our last segment. Trying to make believe Don't know 
Thanks for tuning in, everyone. You're listening to KDVS 90.3 FM, live from Davis, California. And the show you're currently listening to is No Police Radio on every other Monday from 6 to 8 p.m. And we are entering our second hour of programming. And just wanted to do a quick little back wrap of the songs that you heard on the show thus far. We just listened to Penit- sorry, Penitentiary Philosophy by Arika Badu off of Mama's Gun. Before that was Message from a Black Man by The Temptations off the album Psychedelic Soul. Before that was Backlash Blues by Nina Simone. Absolutely love that song. Nina Simone is a very, such a talented musician. And at the top of the block, right after the revolution will not be televised, we listen to Redemption Song by Bob Marley and the Wailers off of the album Uprising. And we have a little bit more programming coming your way within the next hour. And we have also some more music and maybe, if you're lucky, some spoken word. So tune in. Hope y'all are enjoying. Again, you're listening to KDVS 90.3 FM, live from Davis, California. And this is No Police Radio. In 1904, the American Lung Association started with a single mission, fighting the killer lung disease, tuberculosis. Today, they're fighting big tobacco, bad air, and the asthma epidemic. But 100 years ago, tuberculosis was the deadliest disease in America. It claimed hundreds of thousands of lives every year, and there was no cure. Today, the American Lung Association has new enemies to fight and more lives to save. Enemies like the cigarettes that kill over 440,000 Americans annually, the air pollution that kills another 100,000, and asthma, a disease that attacked 11 million Americans in the past year. The American Lung Association won't rest until everyone can take a deep breath of clean air. Because when you can't breathe, nothing else matters. To join the fight, try calling 1-800-LUNG-USA or log on to lungusa.org. Tune in Sunday at midnight until 2 a.m. Neonate, fighting for a future. Punk Raj and M. Riot spin chaotically good music mixed with political, social, and local punk talk, as well as show listings and events you don't want to miss. That's Sunday at midnight until 2 a.m. Welcome back, everybody. This is No Police Radio on KDVS, Davis, California. This is DJ Odette, and I am here with DJ M. And we are uh, coming up on our last segment, right? Yeah, um, for the evening. Uh, But it's a really good one, so we hope you've stayed around to listen to it. And so we are going to talk. So this is, I think, something we're going to make like a regular segment, and it is called this week in abolition we probably need like a little sound effect for that you know at some point later um but so this week in abolition every week we're going to talk about a bad cop it's going to be really really difficult to pick one but we're going to try just the most you know egregious and horrific uh things that are going on in the world of cops and then after that a good project something that uh will inspire us that will be a way for you to maybe think about like taking action of your own so M is going to start by telling us about a bad cop this week. 
Yeah, the bad cop of this week is um, pretty serious. So the bad cop of this week is the San Bernardino, San Bernardino County Sheriff um, who shot and killed a 15-year-old girl last Tuesday. Um, so the girl had been allegedly kidnapped by her father. There was an Amber Alert out for her. And when she escaped the car and ran toward the police for help, they shot her instead. Um, obviously, this is horrific, but... Um, an additional thing to note um, about this horrible incident is that the police initially claimed and said in the media that the girl was shooting at them when she got out of the car. Um, and of course, this turned out to be completely untrue. Um, and this is an important reminder that cops lie all the time. Like every single time they open their mouths, they are lying. Um, and so their accounts of events should never be trusted, should never be just repeated in the in the media. Um, and they are also legally protected for lying. It's basically the thing that they're just like allowed to do. So anytime you see a cop with their mouth open, assume it's false. That's the lesson for this week. Thank you, Em. That's an important lesson. And I just, you know, thinking about the cowardliness of that, I was thinking about what Virgil was saying too about like the escalation of equipment and cops, you know, um, at that scene in the administrative occupation. And I just feel like it's all it's all cowardice, you know, like cops, like, and, and the more stuff they have, the more scared they are. I think that's probably something that we also want to keep in mind about them as we are uh, thinking about, you know, getting rid of them. Um, so let's go on to some good news of the week. So we've got like local good news and then good news that's sort of, I don't know, like regional a little bit further away. Local good news like could not be more local right here um, on the MU, our very own uh, quad in front of the MU. Turning Point USA was tabling, and their table, I really cannot say how this happened, uh, because who knows, like it could have, you know, anything, and anything could have caused it, but their table got flipped, which meant that, you know, they were significantly interrupted in their uh, ability to hand out their gross little flyers and do whatever else they were doing at their table. And, you know, you may hear that and think, oh, no, but, you know, they're just a student group, and they have the right to kind of, you know, table their little table and do their thing and hand out their stuff the same as anybody else. And that seems really bad to sort of deplatform and silence them that way by turning over their table. But I think I might need to just tell you a little bit about Turning Point USA if you don't know who they are, just so you understand why that table needs to be flipped and what that has to do with police abolition. So Turning Point is a far right, Turning Point USA is a far right organization they say they are for freedom, a free market, and limited government. But those are obviously dog whistles for what they actually are, which is a deeply racist, homophobic, and transphobic organization. They publish articles that say that are titled things like LGBTQ Nation is coming for our children. They are very, very anti-trans, anti-queer, anti-Semitic, anti-black. There is lots of evidence everywhere of racist, white supremacist, anti-black things that they have said to each other or to the public. They invite speakers to campuses who are affiliated with the far right and cause great unsafety for students, uh, marginalized students who are on those campuses. They invited Milo Yiannopoulos to see you Boulder, for example. They have all kinds of really unsavory connections from the Proud Boys to the Koch brothers. They are the recipients of money from uh, the Koch network of donors. Um, 
They are also connected to the League of the South, which is a racist organization that wants to kind of hang on to Confederate statues. They um, had a, a faculty member at a Southern University uh, who was a member of the League of the South advising one of their campus groups. So, I mean, I could go on and on. They also, um, they maintain a professor watch list and a school board watch list, which means that they surveil teachers and scholars, educators at many different levels. Uh, you know, they, they encourage their members to record without their teachers' permissions what they say in class, and then they target those professors. They put them on these watch lists so that then they receive uh, harassment and threats of various kinds. Um, so, you know, if you want to think about Turning Point, you know, as a, a free speech issue and say, oh, but don't turn over their table, they just want to say their thing, remember, they have been uh, kind of, you know, they, they have been undermining and squelching the free speech of educators of all kinds for a long time, targeting them with uh, indeed violent threats sometimes. Uh, they, you know, and, and they are, they surveil just like cops do. They are very good friends with the cops. They have lots of gross articles about how they back the blue and how they make little like lunch boxes and gift baskets for for cops. I know Emma's making like some really amazing faces while I'm, while I'm saying this. So anyway, I hope all this kind of makes clear to you why we would actually be very happy that their table got tipped over and why we hope that you would be happy too uh, if their table got tipped over again. You know, they're going to, you know, we're, we're interested to see if they're going to be back out there. They are just a bad organization. You know, like they, they are not here to... Uh, they, they're not here to make everyone on campus feel welcome. They are here to make many people on campus feel unwelcome, unsafe. They are connected to some really violent people, and they got to go, just like the cops. So, you know, they're, they're a lot like the cops in their surveilling ways, and like the cops, we got to get rid of them. So that was a good thing that happened because turning over their table just makes clear that they're not welcome here, that we're not going to tolerate that kind of um, crap on this campus. Uh, so here is, and so that, yeah, so that was, that was very, very local, um, but moving out a little bit further, you might be interested to know that in Eugene, Oregon, uh, there's this new, there's this sort of attempt to, um, replace cops with mental health crisis workers and EMTs in situations of mental, uh, illness and distress, um, that's important because I think, you know, Em was talking about this before, cops have a very bad track record approaching people in crisis. They are not good at de-escalating. They are not good at listening. There's a million examples we can think of, but just one, uh, Charles Thomas, who was a student in a mental crisis shot by the University of Chicago police in 2018. Um, there again, you know, the, the cops are incapable of de-escalating. Their own fear kind of gets the better of them. Uh, so, you know, this is a good step that, um, you know, other other people who are not cops are getting sent to respond to these kinds of situations. They are still dispatched by the cops, though. So that shows you we've still got we've still got some work to do right in, you know, um, getting the cops kind of out of this equation entirely. And this gets back to what I was saying earlier about this, like, deep seated idea that we all have that cops are necessary, like cops have to be there for all this stuff. Cops are inevitable, you know, and the and the structures of policing are inevitable. They are not. And, you know, I think uh, it's imp if you want to be a person who is kind of liberated and free in your own mind, like pushing past that belief in, in inevitability is really, really important. So, yeah, so that's kind of, you know, so there's our Bad Cop Good Project. And, you know, if you are interested in um, 
doing uh, mutual aid work and other kinds of work that might be, you know, that might also kind of reach out to people in various kinds of crisis or who have need, you know, this is something to inspire you that, you know, up in Eugene, they actually kind of made that into something a little bit more, uh, you know, broadly based than just, you know, one person kind of trying to do it. So, you know, so that's a good, you know, it's a good step forward. It's always good for us to kind of notice a good step forward. And we'll have more information also about stuff that um, you can do to get involved in your community, you know, and uh, do the kind of work that, you know, is really important to us where we are actually all caring for each other and caring for our community. That's something that it's really important for cops off campus to be involved in and to, you know, um, and to encourage and others as well. All right. Thank you so much for sharing that, uh, those exciting pieces of good news. Um, all right, everyone. Well, I think that about wraps it up for no police radio for today. Um, in two weeks from now, we will have our next episode uh, and we'll have a special guest on to talk about um, abolition work beyond UC campuses. Um, we're really excited to bring you this discussion. So we hope you'll tune in. In the meantime, if you're looking for more information about policing and abolition at UC Davis, you can check out our website, which is the somewhat difficult to remember, ucdcopsoffcampus.noblogs.com. Oh, no, .org. ucdcopsoffcampus.noblogs.org. Or you can hit us up on social media. It's ucd underscore coc on Instagram. Um, we have a bunch of short essays and resources that are a great place to get started with this stuff. We published it in our recent disorientation guide for the year um, so please check that out if you're curious about what we have going on um, but yeah thank you so much everyone for tuning in thank you so much Odette and to our both of our Collins uh, Virgil and Abby uh, we look forward to seeing all of you hearing all of you uh, in two weeks thanks so much
can check my stats, I got crazy ups, baby. See no got style, don't play me like I'm lazy, baby. But never will I go out, my cut out is known across the Brooklyn lands. My universal fans got stamina. Full of bears and fear when we step in the arena. 360 C no, simply cycling firm as a rock, put the gall when I'm building. Noise it up, block. I know you feel that you're real. Take the check to see no peep the crew members. Brothers like ambush and CEO. Filthy rich down the man's and savages. Showing how scary y'all use the method to your madness. Real troops walk around with the joints to get the point. Can't get the point, get the point, get the point. And now loud to the sound is the best spoke. I catch you on the next note or on the block.
Welcome back, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. This is KDVS 90.3 FM, live out of Davis, California. I am currently in Studio B. This is Local Bag, and you are listening to No Police Radio. Shout out once again to our two hosts for today, Odette and M, and as well as our two callers, Virgil and Abby. Thank you very much for taking the time out of your very busy schedules to come and educate the listeners on abolition and all things adjacent. And it is great to be in the studio producing the show as well. And I am so, so, so excited to see what comes out of this in the quarter and in the future. And I know we're going to have some awesome guests on the show. And I know we're going to have some awesome topics to talk about. And hopefully as... We continue our programming. We get to kind of figure out more listener engagement as we go along. Um, as they mentioned before, you can check out UCD underscore COC. That is U as an umbrella, C as in cat, D as in doctor underscore C as in cat, O as in octopus, C as in cat, UCD underscore COC. Um, that is the Cops Off Campus Instagram Um and I don't remember the email off the top of my head, but as most uh, as some people don't have Instagram or social media um, on the next show of No Police Radio, which is two Mondays from now, um, we will have more contact information available and hopefully we'll be able to have folks call in any questions, comments, concerns. And yeah, so I'm super excited to see what's going to come out of this. And for now, we're going to end off with some music we just listened to what was the name of that song it was called four corners by digital planets monica Payne, and suleiman off the album blowout comb pretty sure i've played a song off this album on a previous show but <clears throat> but yeah so we're gonna end this hour with some music and a couple more short announcements. And once again, thank you for tuning in to KDVS 90.3 FM. And thanks for tuning in to No Police Radio. Guess I got no choice. Rats in the front room. 
and roaches in the back. Junkies in the alley with the baseball bat. I tried to get away, but I couldn't get far. Cause a man with the tow truck repossessed my car. Don't push me, cause I'm close to the edge. I'm trying not to lose my head. <laughs> It's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going under. Standing on the front stoop, hanging out the window, watching all the cars go by, roaring as the breezes blow. A crazy lady living in a bag, eating out of garbage pails, used to be a fag hag, such a dance to tango, skipped the life and dango, a circon prince to seem to lost her senses. Down at the peep show, watching all the creeps, so she could tell the stories to the girls back home. She went to the city and got so, so, so diddy, she had to get a pimp, she couldn't make it on her own. Don't push me, cause I'm close to the edge. I'm trying not to lose my head. <laughs> It's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going under. It's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going under. My brother's doing fast on my mother's TV. Says she watches too much. It's just not healthy. All my children in the daytime, Dallas at night. Can't even see the game or the Sugar Ray fight. The bill collectors, they ring my phone and scare my wife when I'm not home. Got a bum education, double-digit inflation. Can't take the train to the job. There's a strike at the station. Me on King Kong, standing on my back. Can't stop to turn around. Broke my sacroiliac, a mid-range migraine, cancer membrane. Sometimes I think I'm going insane. I swear I might hijack a plane. Don't push me. Call. I'm close to the edge. I'm trying. Not to lose my head. It's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going under. It's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going under. Said, Daddy, I don't want to go to school because the teacher's a jerk. He must think I'm a fool. And all the kids smoke reefer. I think it'd be cheaper if I just got a job, learn to be a street sweeper. I dance to the beat, shuffle for my feet, wear a shirt and tie, and run with the creeps. Because it's all about money. Ain't a damn thing funny. You got to have a con in this land of milk and honey. They pushed that girl in front of the train, took her to the doctor, sewed her arm on the game. Stabbed that man right in his heart. Gave him a transplant for a brand new start. I can't walk through the park cause it's crazy after dark. Keep my hand on my gun cause they got me on the run. I feel like an outlaw, broke my last glass jaw. Hear them say, you want some more living on a seesaw? Don't push me cause I'm close to the edge. I'm trying not to lose my head. Say what? It's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going under. It's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going under. It's like a jungle sometimes, it makes me wonder how I keep from going under. It's like a jungle sometimes, it makes me wonder how I keep from going under. A child is born with no state of mind, blind to the ways of mankind. God is smiling on you, but he's frowning too, because only God knows what you'll go through. You'll grow in the ghetto, living second rate, and your eyes will sing a song of deep hate. The places you play and where you stay looks like one great big alleyway. You'll admire all the number book takers, thugs, 
fives and tens, and you want to grow up to be just like them. <laughs> Smugglers, scramblers, burglars, gamblers, pickpocket peddlers, even panhandlers. You say, I'm cool, <laughs> I'm no fool, but then you wind up dropping out of high school. Now you're unemployed, all non-void, walking around like your pretty boy Floyd. Turn stick up, kid, but look what you done did. Got sent up for an eight-year bid. Now your manhood is took, and you're a Maytag. Spend the next two years as an undercover fag being used in the Served like hell to one day you was found hung dead in the cell. It was plain to see that your life was lost. You was cold and your body swung back and forth. But now your eyes sing the sad, sad song of how you live so fast and die so young. So don't push me, cause I'm close to the edge. I'm trying not to lose my head. <laughs> it's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going under. <laughs> it's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going under. <laughs> Yo, Mel, you see that girl, man? Yeah, man. Yo, that sound like cowboy, man. the rent and I'm wondering why while sitting on the corner got a tea in my eye. Is your rent too high? You're not alone. The rent in Sacramento is going up faster than anywhere else in the country. Evictions and homelessness are devastating lives in our city. What we need is a tenants union so we can organize and collectively bargain and stand up and say enough is enough. These rents are unreasonable and the situation has got to change. But we can only do that if we work together. The Sacramento Tenants Union is bringing the renters together so we can organize and collectively bargain and stand up and say rents are unreasonable and the situation must stop. Contact the Sacramento Tenants Union by email at sactenantsunion at gmail.com, on Facebook at Sacramento Tenants Union, or get more information at the web address at www.sactenant.wordpress.com or follow us on Twitter at Sacktenants Union. Before this short message, we listen to The Message featuring Mel and Mel and Duke Booty by Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five and Grandmaster Melly Mel. And yeah, so that song was featured in a article on protesting police violence um, from the Harvard Gazette in the arts and humanities section this was written in 2020 and it has a great q a with um a professor of social sciences in the department of african-american studies uh at harvard university and it's a great article to check out and yeah and it definitely um comments on the uh let's see it definitely comments on everyday urban city life and details about everyday racism and white supremacy in particular and how that's noticed in the city landscape and we're gonna have up next some spoken word 
by the one and only Angela Davis. This one is called Structural Racism and Prison off of The Meaning of Freedom. And I think this is available on Spotify, um, which is awesome. There's also a compilation of spoken word by Davis um, titled The Prison Industrial Complex. And it is spoken word all on that topic and all things adjacent. So we're going to listen right now to Structural Racism in Prison. Now, the structural racism of the prison. You see, what's, I mean, what's, what's very interesting is that people don't get convicted because they are black anymore or because they are Chicano. But there are structures of, of, of racism that makes race matter in terms of determining who goes to prison particularly who gets to go to prison and who gets to go to uh, colleges and universities. And how can we think about that structural, relation, that structural racism? What is the relationship between uh, the structural racism of slavery and the racism that is inscribed in the very processes that create trajectories that lead inevitably toward incarceration. Now, the structural racism of the uh, prison can also be held responsible for the persistence of racism in the so-called free world. Uh, we are encouraged to think about racial equality as produced by adopting postures of colorblindness, right? And we were told that all we have to do is not notice race, and racism is going to leave. It will go away. And so there is a kind of learned ignorance, because we can see race, but we, we know we are not supposed to see race. There is a, a kind of repression that oftentimes produces uh, uh, these um, many explosive uh, expressions of racism. Uh, and people, I can remember the Michael Richards uh, comment after you know, he said what he did. Uh, and his response was, I'm not a racist. I don't even know where that came from. And this is what people say increasingly. They can't understand how it is that something, that a racist obs observation um, escapes from their lips. There's a whole psychic reservoir of racism in this country. It's in the structures, it's in our collective psyche, and all of us are, are affected by it. And not only talking about white people, as the bearers of racism. I'm talking about ideologies and, and logics that inform the way all of us relate to the world. Now, prisons, of course, thrive on class inequalities. They thrive on racial inequalities. They thrive on gender inequalities. 
um, they produce and reproduce those inequalities because these institutions segregate and isolate the individuals they punish. They also conceal the, equalities that, the inequalities that they reproduce. And the hidden danger of relying on incarceration as the major solution to behaviors that are often the byproducts of poverty is that the solution reproduces the very problem it purports to solve. This is how we might begin to understand why the prison population constantly rises, not only in absolute numbers, but proportionately as well. And it has nothing to do with the rise in crime statistics. As, as, as the rate of crime goes down, prison populations go, go up. And of course, they reproduce these problems because funds almost inevitably migrate away from education and housing and health care towards what they call corrections. Therefore, one generation spawns another. The crime rate has fallen, but the incarceration rate has risen. In, in the US, of course, a prison sentence on a felony charge is a life sentence regardless of how many years uh, one gets. It is a life sentence because of what someone like Mark Maurer calls collateral, collateral consequences, the collateral consequences of, of imprisonment that leads to social death, uh, disenfranchisement. Uh, we wouldn't be dealing with the Bush administration or wouldn't have had to deal with the Bush administration over the last uh, seven years had not it been for the case that due to felony disenfranchisement, um, over 600,000 people could not vote in Florida. And there was only, in the, 19, in the uh, 2000 elections, there was only a 537 vote difference. So if a tiny minority of those 600,000 people had been able to vote, we might have had an entirely different course of, of history. Um, we want to do a poem for one of our unfavored people. Um, I hear the train a coming, it's rolling around a bend. And I ain't seen the sunshine since I don't know when. I'm stuck in Folsom Prison, and time keeps dragging on. But that train keeps a rolling on down to San Antonio. When I was just a baby, my mama told me, son, Always be a good boy, don't ever play with guns. But I shot a man in Reno just to watch him die. When I hear that whistle blowing, I hang my head and cry.
cafeteria's rich folks eating from a fancy dining car. They're probably drinking coffee and smoking big cigars. Well, I know I had it coming. I know I can't be free. But those people keep a moving, and that's what tortures me.
That was Strange Fruit by Billie Holiday. And before that, we listened to Folsom Prison Blues by Johnny Cash live at Folsom Prison. And you guessed it, Folsom, California. There is a lot that can be said on prisons in this specific geographical area, as well as the agricultural areas of the Central Coast. And hopefully in a future episode of No Police Radio, we can get into that and also talk about the prison lottery um, where towns kind of competed to have prisons built because the way they were marketed was um, basically like a dog whistle kind of thing where they were like, you will get jobs and we won't outsource any of the workers And you will have jobs in this town. And basically, the prisons were built, all the work was outsourced, and folks had to move out of said towns because it wasn't at all what they expected. And hopefully in the future we could talk about that and I can give more details because right now I can't really remember them. But anyways, up next we will listen to No Knock by Gil Scott Heron. And we'll close out with another song. Going to one of our unfavored people, uh, who's now the head of the uh, Nixon campaign. He was formerly the attorney general named John Mitchell. Uh, Nixon's campaign seems to be out, you know, getting off on a rather hip foot after his trip to China in the name of peace, uh, while they were killing people right across the street, so to speak, in uh, North and South Vietnam. But um, No Knock, the law in particular, was allegedly um, (laughs) legislated for black people rather than, you know, for their destruction. And it means simply that authorities and members of uh, the police force no longer have to knock on your door before entering. They can now knock your door down. It's No Knock. I must admit, but just for the record, you were talking shit. Long rap about no not being legislated for the people you've always hated in this hellhole that you, we, call home. No knock, the man will say, to keep that man from beating his wife. No knock, the man will say, to protect people from themselves. No knocking head, rocking, cussing, killing, crying, lying, and being white. No knock. No knocks on my brother Fred Hampton, bullet holes all over the place. No knocks on my brother Michael Harrison, jammed a shotgun against his skull. For my protection, who's gonna protect me from you? The likes of you, the nerve of you, to talk that shit face to face, your tomato face, deadpan, your deadpan, deadening another freedom plan. No knocking, head rocking, into shocking, shooting, cussing, killing, crying, lying, and being white. But if you're wise, no knocker, you'll tell your no-knocking lackeys, ha, no knock on my brother's head, no knock on my sister's head, no knock on my brother's head, no knock on my sister's head, and double lock your door, because soon someone may be no-knocking, ha, ha, for you. No knock, to be slipped into John Mitchell's suggestion box.
spread like seeds did. Infectious diseases, like the debt on top of their visas. Diseases, like the pox of the measles. Walk with evil, talk rocket launcher. The control over colonial conquest. Rich histories of combat strategists is good to turn in folks into ashes. This massacre that's been brought to you by taxes on the backs of the slave capital, man. First nation graves all over mapping it. Tackets of mission to fascism. Got business classes stacking the prison lot. Toxic dump, they bump the stock. Cause the bourgeoisie loving season crops. The cops with the guns all set to pop. The squawk box talked, shots on. Lock, bourgeoisie, American dream, the silver screen, the baby Jesus, the big machine, the gasoline, the bomb gap, broadcast TV, see, bourgeoisie, American dream, the silver screen, the baby Jesus, the big machine, the gasoline, the bomb gap, bomb gap, bomb. They read from songs, but they drop bombs, swinging batons and big guns. See, I'm coming, you better run, kid. They done this since 1600 and something. Been boom, boom. They got more forward bases, man. Boom, boom. Guns in outer spaces. Is the human race all under surveillance? Constant barrages, occupations, and cop invasion. No knock, tasers, clocks with lasers, cocked in blazing. Say, USA, number one's in spending. Defense expenditure unrelenting. Empire stretched to both ends. And into both poles, the whole globe menacing under the banner of the betterment and under the orders of the president. Bourgeoisie, American dream, the silver screen, the baby Jesus, the big machine, the gasoline, the bomb gap, broadcast TVC, bourgeoisie, American dream, the silver screen, the baby Jesus, the big machine, the gasoline, the bomb cat, bomb cat, bomb. Thank <laughs> you.